mindfulness mode. You can change the stories in your head. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show again today. I'm with a filmmaker and with an author. He's a master storyteller, and he's worked on hit TV shows like Grey's Anatomy. He's worked on Chicago Med, This Is Us, MacGyver, and 24. And I'm really excited to talk to this gentleman today about AI. And I think it's going to be a fascinating topic, a fascinating conversation. I, I can't wait to tell you that I'm working today. I'm talking today with Richard Rosser. Hey, Richard, are you in mindfulness mode today? Uh, I'm working on getting there. <laughs> That's good. Sometimes it takes a bit, right? Sometimes it does. Yeah, for sure. Well, Richard, what does mindfulness mean to you? Uh, mindfulness... To me, it means slowing down a little bit, uh, putting the phone aside or, or technology aside, and being with myself in the present in terms of what I'm going through, what I'm experiencing. Um, and I think, I think that a lot of people, is, well, we'll get into meditation and, and other and other things later. But but I think there's there there's a misnomer that mindfulness, you have to be in mindfulness to be mindful. And it's sort of like meditation. You know, everyone talks about meditation. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to achieving this plane, to this space, to this place. And I don't know, the times when I've meditated, all I can think about is grinding on what's going on. And, 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 and so I think it's a, it's a continuous process to, to be mindful and be, to become mindful. And, uh, and it's not always easy. And that's why I said, you know, I'm working on getting there today. <laughs> well, I, uh, I appreciate that. And I, one thing that I realize is that there are many creative people out there who are concerned and worried about AI, whereas it seems as though you've just embraced it. You've written a book about it. You've got so much to share about this. How were you able to move into this topic in such a positive way? Well, it, it's interesting um, because so so let's just back up a second and yeah. uh, and sort of talk about uh, where where I come from and how and sort of how I've gotten to where I am right now. Um, I've worked on, as we mentioned before, I worked on TV shows, uh, Grey's Anatomy. This is us twenty four uh, for you know going on thirty some odd years, and and I'm a storyteller at heart. My father was an amazing amazing raconteur. His favorite, his favorite medium of story were story jokes. And he would launch into one of his two or three or five minute story jokes. And the story itself was just as much, uh, or it was more entertaining than actually the punchline itself. Yeah. And so I learned early on that it wasn't necessarily the punchline that was the most entertaining part of the story, that it was the fun voices, the sound effects, the, 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 the crazy gestures that he would do as he was telling this joke story. And so as I, as I started thinking about what I wanted to do, I loved movies and TV and, and I'm a very visual person. And so I naturally gravitated towards filmmaking and, and working on movies and TV shows. And so as I've been working on these shows and, and I've learned some amazing, amazing story techniques, from shows like 24 and Grey's Anatomy and Chicago Med. 
But I've also realized as I step back away from those shows that every day we tell stories and we communicate through story. In fact, Bruce, I, I heard a, a statistic the other day that said 85% of all of our communication is through some sort of a narrative structure, whether it's a story or you know us telling a story or hearing a story. And, and it blew me away. I thought, wait a second, 85% of my day is story? And when you think about it, and you and again, you step back objectively and you look at that and you think, wow, that that's true. We go out to lunch with friends or we're, we're pitching a project or we're managing a team. Everything we do is told through story. At least it should be because that's the best way we communicate and connect and trade information with folks. Right. And I mean, I could give you four phone numbers right now and you might be lucky to remember one of them. But if I if I tell you information in a story, the reten your retention rate of that information is much higher. It's it's much higher. And so ultimately, uh, I came to AI and ChatGPT through storytelling. Uh, I do. I, I work with a lot of uh, a lot of startups, entrepreneurs, business owners, trying to figure out the best way to tell their story and and. And not just through advertising, and because I think a lot of us consider storytelling for businesses just advertising. And there's a lot more to story. There, there are many, many layers of storytelling in running a business or creating a business or product or, or service. And that has to do with convincing clients to sign up with you in the beginning, which can be marketing, can be ads, but it's also working with the folks that you employ on a daily basis. And part of being a leader is being a storyteller so that those people connect with you and they understand what it is about your business that they can sell, that they can go out. Or if you're talking about R&D, what sort of products do you want to create that will extend the life of your business? And so as I go out and I've been working with folks and I create workshops and programs, about like, for instance, I was I was working with a career tech school and they said to me, we love your approach to storytelling and we would love for you to create a program that is storytelling for trainers. And I said, oh, my gosh, that sounds fantastic. What is it? And they said, well, we find out from from feedback that some trainers, they tell too many stories and they don't have a point and they sort of ramble. And so the trainees feel like they haven't gotten what they paid for, or what they're supposed to get out of the training sessions. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have folks who don't tell stories at all. And these sessions are just unbelievably boring. And so the trainees come away not really having learned much because they just sat there, you know, texting on the phone or snoozing or, or just, you know, daydreaming. And so we need to figure out a sweet spot for these trainers that they can use storytelling to come up with examples that the trainees will then retain and take out into the workplace with them as they move out and they're utilizing the training that they've taken. And I said, oh my gosh, fantastic. I love it. So I, you know, we finished up our Zoom call and I said, wait a second, I don't know anything about trainers. And so I went online and went on to my favorite research uh, assistant, ChatGPT, 
And, and I start typing in, okay, what about trainers? How can I use story for trainers? What are some good ideas for helping trainers come up with stories? And so for me, ChatGPT is simply a tool. And I know that there's, there's a lot of anxiety. Everyone has anxiety, whether you're really excited about the possibilities or you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing that ChatGPT and AI and BARD and all these things, they're just going to take my job. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether you're anxiously excited or you're anxiously nervous, there's still a lot of anxiety about this new technology. Like, like there would be with any technology. I mean, think about the folks who, you know, who used to tell stories for a living, the oral tradition, when the printing press came. You think those folks weren't nervous about this new thing called a book that people can learn all this information on their own. They don't need you to tell them the story. So I've realized that AI in general and ChatGPT in specific, they're here to stay. In fact, ChatGPT hasn't been around that long, but AI has been around since the mid 50s and companies have been using it. Netflix uses it to help us pick better shows that we want to watch. Amazon uses it for us to pick better books. Companies use it for customer help, customer research. Uh, There are so many applications of AI that we don't even realize happen on a daily basis. GPS helping us get places. So I said to myself, all right, this is here to stay. So if it is, how can I help folks figure out how to use this technology? And so I view ChatGPT as a tool, just like a, a mathematician might use a calculator or an engineer might use a calculator to figure out how to get the SpaceX rocket up into space. And so for me, whether you're a business owner, a freelancer, an entrepreneur, uh, you know, creating a startup or a product, the ability to use this new technology and learn how to tell stories with it that can amplify your message or heighten your product. Uh, that's really what, what my goal is, is to help non-technical folks figure out how to use this new technology. And they can take a deep breath and be a little bit more mindful about their approach to it. Well, it's clear that's your goal because in your book, Chat GPT Simplified, it just comes across that, you know, hey, anybody can use this tool, absolutely anybody. And it's so easy to follow in your book. And one of the things that you do is you lay out a five-step rinse-repeat program. Can you tell us about that? (laughs) Yes. Well, so it's rinse-repeat. I love that. I love that, Bruce. So, So the first thing you do is is you learn something right i I mean as we as we go through life every day we learn new things yeah and so specifically with with chat gpt or ai we learn something and then we apply it so i learned how to i learned how to write a prompt which is for those of you who are who are brand new to chat gpt what you do is you go in and you text chat gpt a question and then you step back and you hit return and it returns an answer, right? So the, the questions are called prompts. So you apply this new knowledge that you have, you've learned, now you apply. And then you assess and you say, okay, well, what answer did I get? And, and this is one of the frustrating things about this new technology is, well, it's new. 
and we're all figuring out how to use it. I mean, remember the early days of the internet? I mean, you had to sign up with a with a with a uh, dial-up modem, yeah. right? And, and and so things would come very slowly. There were bullet points. I mean, there was all sorts of possibilities, but we were all just figuring out how to how to use it. And so that's part of what we we learn something, then we apply it, then we assess. Right. We assess what we've what we've gotten back from ChatGPT. And you may, you know, you may create a prompt that says, I want to, I want to put out a really great Twitter post for my business or for my my freelance uh, career. And it may return something and you sort of say, Well, this this really doesn't even work for what my prompt was. And that's part of creating prompts for ChatGPT is figuring out it's sort of like uh explaining explaining something to a to a child right you have to be very logical and you have to think oh this is how the child is going to interpret what i'm saying so you assess well did i get a 50 percent answer or an 80 percent answer or a 90 percent answer or did it return the perfect perfect generated response which it never does um so then so you assess then you reapply right then you go ahead and you and you and you put in and you uh, you put in a new version, right? And you figure out you adjust it and figure out how you can get the best answer or the best guidance, and then ultimately you rinse and repeat and, and you repeat. And so you're refining your process, right, of using ChatGPT. Now, now I use this five-step process. It's a it's a it's a basic learning process. It's a basic teaching process. It's a five steps. But what it does is it gives you the ability to go back and assess and reapply. And, and so you get better at whatever you're doing. So, I mean, if you're riding a bike, it's this is, you know, you, you you learn how to ride the bike. Theoretically, you jump on the bike, you try it, you fall in the grass or you and, and then you and you get better and you apply what you learned the first time. So really, this is, Bruce, this is this, this, you know, five step technique is nothing new. I took it and applied it to and, and it was interesting, because I thought it really, really works well in the in the sphere or domain of chat GPT, because of the iterative nature of this new technology. And what I mean by that is, by iterative, you're coming up with different versions, right, of utilizing this new technology. So, for instance, and, and here's a here's you know, um, I was listening to an episode of uh, of Bruce's podcast with a guy named I think his name is Craig Shoemaker, and he's yes. he's a comedian. It was a great episode. So, if you haven't listened, you should. Uh, but but you all were talking about using humor and actually storytelling it, it, it aligned sort of with with what i'm bringing to the to the podcast as well um so what you do is in comedy you tell a joke and you may get one laugh right and right. then the next time you tell it you amp up that verbal cue or that visual cue where you got that one laugh and you get a bigger laugh and you may also get a laugh where you didn't expect. And so the next time you tell the joke with a story, you amp up that part and you get an even bigger. So it's all a process 
of the various iterations of what you're creating. And, and that's the beauty, really the beauty of creativity. But it's also if we step back and look at that from a mindfulness standpoint, that's really also the process of trying to be mindful because and I say trying to be mindful because because there are always like right now, there's someone out. Uh, I don't know if you all can hear it through my microphone, but there's someone, you know, they're, they're weed eating or, or blowing next door. And it's really bugging me because all I can think about is, oh, this is ruining the audio. And so I'm I'm trying to be mindful, mindful in this podcast, but it's tough because there's this guy next door. He's got this, you know, ring, and <laughs> you probably can't even hear it. I, no. I probably not. Right. So but uh, but we're all we're always trying to be mindful. We're always trying to, to meditate. Right. As we move through life, it's tough. It's really difficult. And so I think we can use this this five step template that I I a portion right for uh, for learning chat GPT. We can use it for telling a joke. We can use it for trying to get over the the uh, the weed eater or, or leaf blower that's right next door so we can be more present and more mindful in whatever we're doing. Yeah, well, you know, there are not just me, but so many people think your book is really awesome. I noticed with like so many reviews on it, but as a storyteller yourself, can you give us some some tricks that can make a story really compelling to people? Oh, Bruce, absolutely. Absolutely. So, at its base, storytelling is entertainment. Now, we can use storytelling for other things. We can use storytelling to persuade. We can, do, we can use storytelling to remember. For instance, um, my father passed back in 05, right? Uh, and and I, I told you, I gave the eulogy at his, at his uh, funeral or his, his service. And I used one of his favorite jokes in my eulogy for him. And I, and I tailored it for the actual service. And so we can use jokes. And so one of the main things to tap into when you're telling a story is emotion. And we've all we've all have friends or heard folks tell a story that just sort of rambles on and on. Right. Yeah. Oh, I had to go to the store today and they were out of tomato sauce. And then I had to go to the other store and there was tomato sauce. And they got home and and my husband he ended up wanting, you know, he ended up wanting beef stroganoff. And. It's so like, okay, what the heck was the point of that story, right? I mean, yeah. you couldn't find tomato sauce, you couldn't find tomato sauce, and then all of a sudden, you're fixing beef stroganoff, and that doesn't even have any tomato sauce in it. And so what is the point? So emotion and what is the point really are, are sort of the two main things that you can implement in a story to make it more interesting and make it more connecting right? Ultimately, when we tell a story, we want to connect with whoever we're telling it to. Now, if Bruce and I are just out for lunch, a story can just be for educational purposes, right? It can just be, hey, I had this really fun thing happen to me over the weekend. Uh, but if you're in a business situation, you're pitching a project, you're asking for funding, uh, you're, you're managing a team, you need to, again, you need to be a little bit more mindful of what you're what you're working to use the story for. And so rather than just sort of throw stories out off the cuff, you want to think about how stories can help you make your point, 
how your stories can help persuade a potential client to buy your product or your service. And again, when you tap into the emotion, that will help you connect better with your audience. Again, whether your audience is, is an audience of one, if you're on a sales call, or if you're speaking to a group of you know, two or three or 400 people who uh, you're trying to get your message across to. When you think back to yourself as a kid, maybe a seven-year-old kid, is there a story you remember that just pops into your mind that maybe uh, caused you to think, yeah, I want to continue this, this path of being a storyteller? Well, my dad, I mean, I, I, I grew up watching my dad tell stories. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, I have a whole host of stories and and story jokes that he told that really sort of form my, the, the infrastructure of, of my storytelling. And I mean, there are, you know, a couple of jokes that, that he told that I can, I can visualize him telling right now, you know, one that had, you know, he had to do this whole thing with a guy about a guy with a coat that didn't fit. And so my dad was always doing these sort of crazy visual uh, visual references in addition to some fun, fun joke, or I mean, uh, fun voices and sound effects. And, and again, Bruce, that's one of the things that we can do to, to amplify our storytelling techniques is we can use visual cues. We can use our voice. So Bruce, if I talk, if I talk a little bit softer, then, you know, you, you may lean forward a little bit yeah, to exactly. hear me. And also, I'm varying my voice from what I was saying before. If I get really excited, then my voice kicks up a notch, right? And my cadence gets excited. And you can see I'm, I'm, I tend to use my hands a lot when I talk. But when I'm really excited, I use my hands even more. So the, the, the more interactive you are when you're telling a story, again, to a limit, you know, you don't want to all of a sudden go from zero to being Robin Williams uh, in a sales call or a sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, I mean, I'm not sure that Robin Williams would have been that good of a salesman because he would go off on tangents and, exactly. and uh, some crazy stuff. But there are elements of, of all that. Like, for instance, um, I create, I've created a, uh, a program for community college and college students that is essentially, it's, it's a life skills class told through the eyes of a storyteller. And so what we do is we start off with sort of the simplest story. And again, for me, that's a story joke. Not, a, not your classic setup punchline, setup punchline, but something that's, you know, a, a paragraph long at minimum, and you can have some fun with the characters and again, the voices and some sound effects. And so we start off getting the students to tell a joke story and we work on embellishment. We work on some of these techniques I've talked about. Then the next session, we have them work on a tall tale. And again, they're working on amplifying their message. They're embellishing what they, what happened to them. Then we do urban legends. Now there is something about urban legends and ghost stories that just taps into our the virality of storytelling joke. I mean, uh, uh, ghost stories and urban legends, students absolutely love. I mean, everyone loves a great ghost story or urban legend. And there are urban legends that have been duplicated in 
in Japan and Argentina and the US without any sort of cross-pollination, they literally just came up through, through, the, through the story chain by themselves, but they have all these elements that are similar or the same. And so what we do is we work on telling these stories and the students have a blast telling these stories and getting up in front of the class and they don't even realize that they're speaking in public. I mean, you know, it occurs to them afterwards, wait a second, I was up in front of a, a group of 20 or 25 students. And of course we, you know, every once in a while I run across someone who says, oh, I'm not doing it, I'm not getting up in front of that class. But invariably when we get to the end of the class session, they say, ooh, can I, can I tell my story or can I tell my ghost story? And because they've seen the fun that the other students are having. And so what we do is then we take those skills that the students have learned and then we apply those skills to real life. And so, for instance, with students, we're talking about job interviews. That's one of the main thing that's on their mind and one of the main ways that they can showcase a story about them, about how they overcame per, you know, some sort of adversity or how they can tell and show the fact that they were responsible in a previous job as they're interviewing for, for a new job. And so we take those skills and we work on the template of taking those and putting them over a job interview or pitching a project or asking for asking for funding. You know, there are all sorts of possibilities or telling a, a speech, a story based speech in front of a large audience. And so I've, I've then branched out and I use that same that same approach with entrepreneurs, startups, business owners. Because ultimately what we're doing is we're looking inward to see where the stories lie. For instance, an, an entrepreneur who's come up with a, a great new idea for a product. Well, where did that idea come out of? Well, it came out of a, a, a pain point, right? It came out of a need of watching and, and realizing, oh my gosh, I could make that better. And so coming up with the story, the origin story of the, of the product, is really important both for the uh, the business owner or entrepreneur figuring out who their target market is and who they're selling to and how they can make the product better but it's also a great tool in terms of going out and getting people whether it's again whether it's folks who are going to invest in the business or it's people who are going to ultimately buy the product getting those people to understand the value the benefits and why this thing is the next coolest, uh, the next coolest app or or product, Richard. I'm really interested in in the answer to this question. One of my mindful tribe listeners reached out to me and said, "Hey, ask Richard this question. Ask him about visual art. What he thinks about AI when it comes to visual art, pictures, images. Tell us your thoughts on that." Oh, absolutely. So everything. You know, what, what, what was status quo yesterday with AI is blown out of the water tomorrow. Yeah. And so what I, may, what I may be talking about right now, you may in, in, a, in a week or a month, you may say, that guy's like, he's talking about stuff that was old, old hat. Well, so, there, there, so what Bruce is alluding to is what we've been talking about so far is artificial intelligence under the big umbrella is ChatGPT or BARD or Bing, which are generative, they're text-based generative AI models. 
So meaning I type in a text question or, or prompt or query, and then it generates a text answer back to me. Now, what Bruce just alluded to was the images or visuals. So what you can do is you can go onto a service called Midjourney or Dali. Uh, there, I mean, again, there are, there are new ones popping up every day, every week. Uh, so you can go in and you can type in a, a prompt, a cue, and say, you know, alligator surfing. And uh, you can say in the style of Van Gogh. And all of a sudden, bup, 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 and it spits out. It's not quite as fast as the text generation, but it spits out a version of an alligator surfing in the style of Vincent Van Gogh. And you can adjust that just like you can adjust a verbal cue or verbal prompt. You can adjust your prompt to get a little bit different output. You can say, yeah, you know, Van Gogh isn't working. Maybe, oh, maybe I want to try it in the, in the style of Salvador Dali, right? And so th this has, again, it has unbelievable possible uh, creativity uh, for all of us. Because what you can do now is those of us, because I, I mean, I can barely draw a stick figure. So now we can all use art and visual art to our advantage. We can storyboard some sort of a sequence. We can, we can ask for uh, Dolly or, uh, or Midjourney to come up with something that we imagine, but we could never in a million years actually sketch ourselves. And so, this, Bruce, this brings me to a really, really interesting point, and it sort of gets back to, uh, you know, the, 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 your, your uh, point about before that everyone's, everyone's nervous about this technology, anxious. And again, some folks are really anxious, excited, and some are anxious, uh, nervous. And I understand that people think that this is going to reduce all of our communications, ChatGPT and Dolly, it's, it's all going to just reduce our communication to mush. All of our communications are just going to be oatmeal. I mean, think about, think about the, you know, the, the family burger restaurants in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s that went down. And all of a sudden, now we've got, you know, McDonald's and Burger King, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, Carl's Jr., I mean, some regional in and out in, in the, on the West Coast. But ba basically, you've got everything tastes the same and it looks the same. And there is the tendency to think about this new technology with that in mind. Right. If everyone is using the same crummy, crappy prompt to go to type in, I want a real, you know, I want a, a Twitter post or I want a blog post. If everyone's using the same prompt, then, yes, you might end up with a lot of mush that sounds alike, looks alike and, uh, and, and is alike. However, this is where our individual creativity can really shine and blossom. Because as, as Bruce and I each write a different prompt to enter into ChatGPT or Midjourney or you know, whatever, the, whatever the, uh, the, the model is, we're going to infuse our own personality into that prompt. And that's the most important part of this is using these technologies to heighten or amplify our own creativity, our own individualism. Because ultimately, these are just tools. Just like I said before, a mathematician has a calculator or a high-end you know, computer program that can help them with formulas that can help them figure out the math and the engineering behind a rocket. This technology of ChatGPT, Midjourney, all these various generative AI models, they can provide us 
with the ability to think outside the box in ways we never thought of before. And so from my standpoint as a storyteller, one of the, one of the most important things that I use ChatGPT for is a brainstorming engine. I, it's amazing because it brings the knowledge of billions and billions and billions of web pages and PDFs and master's theses and doctoral dissertations to the discussion that I, you know, I mean, I could go to a library and I can read or I can download books, buy books on Amazon and, and look at all these books, but it would take me years to read the volume of books and information that ChatGPT has synthesized in its collective memory. And so when I type in, hey, I need, I need to put together a workshop, storytelling for trainers. I don't know anything about trainers. That's not my, that's not my, that's not my arena. But all of a sudden, I can learn things that will help guide me in terms of putting together a workshop, a program that will ultimately be very, very beneficial for these folks because they're going to end up learning how to tell stories. And, and Bruce, one of the other things is as I, as I put my program together and I pitched it to the, to the folks at the career tech school, uh, I thought, you know, these trainers, they're not storytellers, they're trainers. Right. And they may be a little nervous about coming up with stories out of whole cloth that emphasize the points they're making about workplace safety or you know what, whatever their training session's about. And I thought, well, why don't I just put in a little section about using ChatGPT to help them come up with stories? And so I've got prompts in the, in the workshop and everything. And as I pitched this to the folks at the Career Tech, uh, I said, okay, Anyone, uh, anyone got any, any, anything that they like or don't like about that? And I was sort of expecting, because everyone has a really either, uh, you know, a very, very negative reaction to ChatGPT or very positive. I was thinking I might get some pushback. And one of them said, oh my gosh, I love how you treat ChatGPT as a tool to help these trainers come up with ideas for stories or stories that really emphasize the points and help with the retention that they're trying to get across to all their trainees in their in their training programs. And so I sort of went, Ooh, oh, that's fantastic. So we're actually working on a new program, which is how to take ChatGPT and use it to create stories, not just for trainers, but for people in all walks of life. And, and ultimately that's what my book is about. Right. I don't, I don't, Bruce, I don't claim to be a programmer. I don't claim to be a tech head or a geek or, you know, whatever, whatever phrase you want to use. I'm not that person. I'm a person who I tell stories, I help folks communicate. And so I really view this as a tool, but look, if, if I start talking about, Oh, natural language, natural language processing, NLP, and it has an engine that runs with the, the optimization of the, of the common crawl. I mean, all of a sudden everyone's brain sort of shuts down. And they go, oh my gosh, what the heck is this guy talking about? So what I've done is I've taken all of the technical information and I've translated it to stories and pop culture references. In fact, one of my chapters, chapter three, about writing, creating prompts is I, I looked at Alice in Wonderland and I thought, you know, Alice in Wonderland is, an, is actually a really good analogy 
to me or you, the reader, on this journey of discovery about the possibilities out in the world of AI and ChatGPT. And so I used my favorite research assistant to help me concoct this, this uh, chapter about Alice in Wonderland. So we are essentially Alice being guided by the Cheshire Cat as we go through this wonderland that is ChatGPT. So I had a lot of fun writing it, thinking about the, the listeners or the viewers, because it's ultimately going to be an audiobook as well, but um, thinking about the folks who are going to read it and how they're approaching it and how everyone is a bit nervous about this. And we're all trying to play catch up to get back up to speed in terms of being able to use this technology in whatever we do. Yeah, it is amazing. And uh, I use it almost every day, I will tell you that. I want to ask you a question about bullying because I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for yes. a long time. And I want to uh, ask you if you have a story that you can share with us where maybe mindfulness did or didn't play a role. Well, I have to say I was I was bullied as a as a kid. There was a there was a, a kid. I, I actually shouldn't say his name, uh, but his first name was Johnny. And um, he he had it out for me. And um, and I think the thing about bullying and again, uh, it, it, bullying is a whole mind game. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's important. For, I mean, and, and as adults, we, we can get bullied, too. Right. It's not just it's not just childhood. Sure. But I think it's important for people to realize when it's going on both in in their own experience, but also in the experience of friends or colleagues or, or others, and work to, and, and especially parents for, for kids who may be going through this, and put the experience into perspective. And again, I think ultimately that's what mindfulness is really all about. It's, it's quieting down the, the, the chatter and putting our experiences into perspective and and thinking about how we interpret those experiences as we move forward through the through the through the world and and with these folks, right? And I think that from a from a standpoint of mindfulness, it's good to keep in mind that uh, that an incident with a bully it may seem as though it's an everyday occurrence, but when you step back and think about it, it's just a blip. Mm -hmm. in what what we're all you know what what the person's going through and that mindfulness can really help put the put the experience into perspective and i think it can also help keep the uh keep the the, the bullied person safer because they can be mindful of the situation and try to diffuse it uh whether it's just walking away or verbally just de-escalating because bullies tend to, they love attention. They love to, uh, they, they, they love to uh, point things out when it's going to get a laugh or it's going to get a reaction from other folks. And so if the, if the person who's being bullied is mindful of that and the process, then they can, they can do things. Now, let, they can do things to help alleviate the situation. Now, let me very quickly just combine two worlds here. So ChatGPT, again, is an amazing resource. And as a creative writer, author, filmmaker, 
Uh, I, I use ChatGPT for brainstorming and outlining, organizing my thoughts for workshops and, and books, et cetera. But you can also use ChatGPT as a, as a resource for psychological aspects, right? Mm -hmm. And for bullying. So consider this, if you have a situation, whether it's bullying or you, you have a relationship with someone that's not going the way you want it to be, then you can type into ChatGPT, just type in a little explanation of what's going on. Now, I, I, I want to say, Bruce, that I'm not, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, um, neither is ChatGPT. It's not meant to replace the, the you know, having a session with a, with a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist who can prescribe you medication if you need it and, and, and knows and has, you know, the, I mean, there's a certain level of professionalism there, but it can, ChatGPT can be a sounding board for some of, the, some of these issues. And so you can type in, hey, ChatGPT, I'm having an issue with a bully. I have this thing going on. What are some options? What can you help me with that might give me some options in terms of skirting this situation or dealing with it? Or, you know, should, who should I go to and who should I talk to? And, and it will, I mean, the folks who've created ChatGPT at OpenAI, they've put up some guardrails or some you know bumpers if you're a, if you're a bowling fanatic um, that will that will keep you in the lane of you know of of knowledgeability. Um, so in other words, they're not going to start steering you down a path of well you should try this drug or try this drug. It, they're going to refer you to uh, a psychologist or psychiatrist if the conversation gets pretty intense. But as just a, a jumping off point, this can be a really really interesting way of approaching this. Uh, and it's an instant way to get information, just like uh, just like being mindful. You can you can type in, how can I use ChatGPT to be more mindful on a daily basis? And it will give you some incredible just off the cuff possibilities and, and, and suggestions that can really help you do that better. Yeah, good suggestion. That really is, Richard. Richard, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. Okay. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Well, I would have to say my wife. Uh, she is. She's a meditator. She's uh -huh. very dedicated. She meditates in the morning and the evening. And um, so I, I would say, if there's anyone who I would like to emulate, it's it's her. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That's great. And my my second question is about emotions. So how has mindfulness helped you to deal with your emotions? Well, mindfulness allows me to step back and view myself a little bit in, in an objective sense. And as a storyteller, I mean, I'm always telling telling stories and sometimes those stories are very positive and sometimes they can be a bit, you know, as I grind on something, they can spiral into a little bit of negativity or, or a lot of negativity. Sure. And so I think mindfulness helps me uh, step back objectively to take a look at those stories that I'm telling myself and remind myself that they are simply stories, that they aren't necessarily the 100% truth of what's happening to me on a, on a daily basis. Right, right. Let's talk about breathing and uh, whether you have any tips, suggestions, thoughts, ideas about breathing as it relates to mindfulness. Well, one of one of the best exercises is the is what's it's the four eight exercise. 
you you know you you breathe in for a four count and you breathe out for an eight count and uh what it does is it it, it just slows everything down it just it, it it's like magic and uh so that's one of the that's one of the easiest uh simplest ways that i can that i can suggest for uh for a breathing exercise my next question is about books and mindful tribe if you go to the website ai explained dot ai you're going to see some of richard's books and uh but richard do you have any other recommendations of books that you feel are related to mindfulness and are very powerful and easy to digest um you know i'm it's interesting because i'm writing books but i'm not i'm not a uh, i i haven't i've done more like youtube videos of yoga nidra and so I've tended to to dive into again. I'm I'm more of a visual person, sure. And so, uh, if folks are looking for resources, um, I would say again one of the one of the first places that I would go is YouTube for videos on Yoga Nidra, N I D R A. Uh, yoga Nidra is a relaxing yoga. You know, you don't don't worry about you know you don't have to do downward dog and uh, and uh, and all those. It's uh, it's just a way of uh, relaxing your body and being mindful and calling attention to the various parts of your body through a uh, through a simple again some of them are five to ten minutes uh, in length they're very short okay and my last uh, question is about apps and we've kind of been talking about that a little bit all, all through but any any thoughts about that well again I, I mean I know that I, I've used calm a bit um, but I have actually recently, started diving in to ChatGPT and using it for mindfulness techniques. Um, it's a little bit more do it yourself because mm -hmm. you don't have, you know, you don't have someone reading a script and, and music playing, but it's a very, it's a very interesting way of turning inwards and, and using ChatGPT to help you analyze what's going on in your life and how to be more mindful. So it can point you in other directions. Uh, and you can always, I mean, you could, again, you could always ask ChatGPT, what are some good books? Once you start to narrow down uh, what you're going through and, and, sure. uh, and ChatGPT gets a good idea as you have a discussion, because it remembers what you're saying in a session, um, then uh, you, can, you could ask it for, for references and it will tailor those answers to what you've been talking about. Very good. Richard, as we wrap up the interview, I want to ask, you have any final words of advice that you can share with us? Story is such a powerful, powerful way of communicating. And just like we try to persuade or we try to sell or we try to entertain, we can use story to be mindful in and of itself. And for instance, uh, one of the things that uh, ChatGPT came back to me when I did a when I did a search, I, I was interested. I did a search on mindfulness right before the podcast to see what it would come up with, and it said, you know, you can change the stories in your head, and it's really true. As you start to analyze what's going on in your life, you can always change the ending. You can write a new chapter, and that's the beauty of story and storytelling is that you can utilize this medium for so many different layers of your life. You can use it to communicate, you can use it to sell, but you can also 
use story to turn in and be more reflective uh, every day in your life. So as you, as you work to tell these stories, whether you're journaling or you're just mentally going through the stories, remember that if the ending isn't currently what you want it to be, change it. Right. As simple as that. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not as simple as that. <laughs> I make it sound a little simpler than it is sometimes, right, Bruce? <laughs> yeah. Well, but sometimes you just don't think, hey, I can do that. I can change this. I can, I can do this. I can do that. And uh, it's becoming easier to do some of these yeah. things, especially with chat GPT. So it's been fascinating talking to you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I just want to thank you so much, Richard, for being on Mindfulness Mode today. Well, thank you very much, Bruce. It's, it's just been a pleasure being here. And uh, I wish everyone all the best. And uh, just keep breathing deep. And, uh, and remember, you can change your story. Absolutely. You take care, Richard. Bye now. Thanks. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the episode today. I want to mention that I do have a TikTok account and it would be great to meet you there. If you would just go to TikTok and type in mindfulness mode, you will find me. I've been putting up various videos, some from me, some from my guests. Check it out. If you if you like TikTok, you'll probably enjoy these videos. I know sometimes I just enjoy relaxing and, and listening to some of the videos on there. So check out my mindfulness mode on TikTok. And uh, hey, leave me a message or, you know, leave me a like. That would be great. Thank you so much for that. And uh, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.